What's up, guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I am Jabril, and I am with Steve. Hope everyone's doing good. And welcome to a brand new episode. We're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories and games, and we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, what have you been playing? So, changing it up here, I've been playing something I didn't expect to play. Also, I had no idea it came out. So, I've been playing Battletoads yes. on Xbox One, and uh, it's it's interesting. It's such a weird way to think of it. I really thought I was going into, the way I went into like Streets of Rage 4, where it was like super old school way with a new art style and Battletoads I'm I'm happy to say is like really fun it's really updated you can actually play this one um, I don't die in the first stage it, it is brutal in certain senses and I forgot how really campy and cartoony it is with like just the random kicking your foot transforms and I understand that's a sta- staple in the series I just don't. I don't have that reflection with Battletoads like that, where I'm like super excited when they change into wrecking balls and stuff like that on the fly. Um, but I'm having fun with it. Again, it's on Game Pass, so I didn't have to purchase it. So I'm really gonna probably once a solid one-time playthrough for me, then I'll be okay. But I'm enjoying it. It's weird. Um, I don't know how to feel about some of the way they're doing like a lot of the conversations and comic bookish. Like aspects a little bit weird for me, but um, it's fun. It's again a fun little game I'm playing on the side. I can see why you would enjoy it more with like co-op people. I'm surprised they didn't give you at least one AI partner. Um, I understand because you do have the switching between uh, Zip, Pimple, and Rash or whatever their names yeah. are. Um, so I've been I played a few you know a few hours of that, and then the other game I've been playing surprisingly. I don't know what year it is because I'm playing. Old school stuff. Um, I'm playing Samurai Jack Battle Through Time. Oh, I've heard a lot about this. And my goodness, it's so good. It's so good. It's it's pretty much to recap it quickly is Devil May Cry except Samurai Jack. So it looks good. The action's really fast paced. The combos get very complicated. It's not super score based like Devil May Cry where it's like constantly showing you that score and flashing. You do get those like at the end of the sessions of fighting the enemies. But it looks good. A lot of uh, throwbacks. A lot of the voice actors came back to do it. It's weird because uh, it seemed through the trailers that you were going to just play through the five seasons of the show. It actually takes like a small spinoff between like one of the final season, uh, the one of the final episodes of the final season. It kind of branches off to do its own thing, and then I'm assuming it comes back to wrap it up. So it's interesting, but it's it's ha- I'm su- having super just like a great time with it like it's just a great hack and slash action game and i didn't expect it it's a little pricey i don't know how it is lengthwise but i'm super loving it do they I want a do... full 40 for it or is it a 60 yeah or? so so they went 40 they went okay. 40 so it is budget i thought this game was gonna be like cheaper like a 30 but as of right now the polish is there yeah don't get me wrong so the game looks super clean the art style fits perfect the controls are snappy Tons of weapons, tons of items, collectibles, and all that stuff in there. Again, I just don't know what it takes to get through the game. I believe I don't know how many missions are in there. But, you know, it's all about that combat. There's, like, a hard difficulty to unlock. I already saw that. So I don't know what it is for, like, platinum-wise. But I'm having super, like, a great time with it. I'm really... I I was nervous about getting it. Then I was going to get it on Switch. And then I was like, ah, for 40 bucks, I'd rather just get it on PlayStation and get trophies. And I am, I guess, slightly biased because I do love Samurai Jack. I mean, it's, 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 I love that show. So this is like obviously directed towards me. I'm glad I'm seeing more people talk about it, and I, I'm hoping it doesn't go under the radar because it's 
it's a really good game. Like it's better than some of the other stuff I've played this year. So my time's really just been between Battletoads, Samurai Jack. So what have you been playing though? Yeah, so I guess since you mentioned it already, I also jumped into Battletoads. Uh, okay. I enjoyed my time with it quite a bit. Um, I'm also conflicted about like the writing, for example. Uh, I've kind of gone back and forth about whether I think it, the writing is corny and bad or whether it's hyper accurate to the original game and it's just out of place since it's a, it's in 2020. So mm. I, I'm in that kind of weird back and forth where it's like, I don't know if this is accurate or bad or like some hybrid of both, but gameplay-wise, I think it's really fun. I like the speed of it. Uh, obviously, bring it, you know, comparing it to Streets of Rage 4, I think, is a very apt comparison. They both you know, recently came out. They both have that kind of cartoony, hand-drawn animation kind of look yeah. to them. Uh, this one obviously doesn't have the weight that Streets of Rage 4 it has. It's a way faster game, way more kinetic, way more kind of combo, and you're moving all around and doing all this stuff. Uh, the, the, you have the added kind of range with the tongue mechanic and stuff like that. So there's different things you could play around with there that I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah, I, I did a couple levels and generally speaking i i think i really enjoyed the time i think they did a great uh job with that game so yeah that's battletoads i also played new super lucky's tale uh that recently came ah, to game okay. pass yep. and playstation 4 and uh i i had a great time with it and for you guys who don't know it's a third person action platformer kind of mascot platformer like you'd see out of like rare in the 90s and stuff like that and it has you know collect-a-thon it's a whole thing uh and it, it, it's a really good time you know what i mean if, if if like hat in time is like mario 64 this is obviously like banjo in many ways uh yep yeah b- besides the fact that ukulele exists but uh this one yeah it's polished it looks really good it plays really good uh very easy i would say mm-hmm. uh it would be the only critique but again considering what type of game it is it makes sense so i'm not expecting like grueling difficulty from a little fox jumping on you know little platforms to collect coins <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, a great time with it. And, again, if you have Game Pass, jump into ba- Battletoads, jump into New Super Lucky's Tale. Again, you have no excuse to play these games. Throw an hour, see if you like it. I think they're doing some really cool things, you know, kind of balancing with, like, a new spin on nostalgia. So it's not clunky in the same way the older ones are, but it obviously has that same spirit. So I think they, they killed it on that. Again, I'm not sure if I'm going to bang out the entire game, but from what I understand is you can platinum New Super Lucky's Tale in, like, 10 hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it, it might be a game I see all the way through. It depends on how my schedule is going into September, to be honest, now that games are going to start kicking in and we're going to have new releases again. And uh, the last game I think is really interesting, and it's something you talked uh, a couple weeks back, I believe. Uh, the Avengers beta went public. That's true. Yep. And so I played that for the first time. And uh, I would like to say before I start, I did not beat it. It's way longer than I thought it was going to be. It's a huge chunk of game. Yeah, very, like I have to, I have to commend them for a couple things. First off, I'm gonna commend them for like for a free beta. This the amount of content they've given you is probably the most I've ever seen in a free beta. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to shout out them for that. Uh, I also want to say that I've been very critical of this game. Very critical. Uh, I think it didn't look right. It didn't look like it was running great. I didn't understand what they were going for. I had significant concerns about this in relation to other superhero entries that were gonna go. So now I finally got my hands on it, and I want to say, generally speaking, I enjoyed myself. Do I think it's a perfect game? No. Do I think are, there's some obvious glaring issues that I have with it? Yes, but I think, generally speaking, they're on the right track for, I think, what they're trying to do, and I think I understand what they're trying to do a lot better. So I want to give them credit that I, I did enjoy myself, and I, w- I want to keep it real with you guys. Um, I think that the whole loot 
mechanic of it and upgrading your character like that, that almost division style loot grind mm-hmm. is weird to me for a superhero game. I guess that's just going to require me getting a little bit used to it. Just adding gear to like the Hulk or Kamala Khan is weird to me. But uh, again, maybe that's something I'll get used to with time. Uh, obviously, it, it runs a little weird, but again, it's a beta, so I'm not going to hold that against them. Uh, I still think the characters look a little strange but it certainly affects more certain characters more than others so Kamala Khan to me looks completely fine I have no problems with Hulk or bearded Hulk or whatever I I think it's Mm -hmm. really when I see like Tony Stark's face or Captain America and it's like that's so close to Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans but it's not quite that I'm like what is I don't know what they were going for art style wise you know what I mean yeah, no, absolutely. And playing this game, it's, it really kind of just required me kind of rewiring my thinking and being like, okay, so this is obviously more Ultimate Alliance and less Spider-Man. And when I'm playing as uh, as Thor and I'm like bashing these people in, I'm my mind registers like, oh, God of War. And it's like, no, 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 no. This doesn't have that kind of weight. Yeah, they're, the, the enemies are a little bit more spongy. It's way more arcadey. So... Again, it requires some rewiring because, again, when you see this, the visuals of this game, your mind immediately starts connecting the dots of what we've experienced in the past. So it's like, oh, Spider-Man, Arkham Asylum, and stuff like that. When this yeah. one is obviously going for a very different experience, and it's an experience that's typically associated with a very cartoony kind of look with uh, Ultimate Alliance and stuff like that. Because when you saw Ultimate Alliance, no one had any doubt of like how that was going to play. But when you see a very grounded, realistic-looking game like this, you expect a little bit, I guess, more weight and realism to it. And this pl- doesn't play like that. Uh, the Hulk platforming sections were strange. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would have pretty much expected that from any other character but him. But again, it, it, it wasn't clunky by any means. I don't think it was poorly made or optimized or anything like that. But again, that was very interesting. That was probably the weirdest reaction I had to platforming probably since like Doom. When I was like jumping all around with the Doom Slayer, I'm like, whoa! Like, <laughs> w- did not expect this. Mm-hmm. So that that was strange. But uh, generally speaking, yeah, I think they they did a pretty good job with it. Ultimately, we're gonna see how the the story rolls out. I have no clue how that's gonna play out because again, with the beta, you get like tidbits of what's going on in that world, but you don't get like the overarching story top to bottom. Uh, I thought the Taskmaster fight was pretty solid, and I liked the way they allowed you to play with every hero. Uh, I surprisingly liked the way Captain America played. A lot. I, I didn't think I was gonna like him. I thought it was yeah, gonna be so really boring. But I, I think mm-hmm. I he was the actual person who I felt like had the weight that I was looking for. Um, Thor didn't surprisingly. Hulk was fun, but it kind of reminded me of like that. I forget the name of the game, but it was like a GameCube era Hulk game, like Ultimate Destruction, Devastation, or something like that. Yeah, I think Total Destruction. Yeah, and and it played like a lot like that. So it's not the first time I've played a Hulk game that played like that, but it didn't have the weight I was looking for. And finally, Captain America, I think. And then they kill him. And I'm like, okay, well, thanks. No spoilers. It's in the beta. But uh, it happens, yeah, right at the beginning. Yeah, so they killed him. And I'm like, all right, well, there goes that. And Kamala played really well, too. I wasn't expecting to like her. So generally speaking, I would say I'm pleasantly surprised. I still have my apprehensions about this game. Uh, but I will say that I'm going to try my best to go into it with an open mind because I think there's certainly a niche for this, and especially with the fact that they're going to be rolling out so much DLC for it. I think this can ultimately turn into something really great, and I don't want to like write it off before it gets a chance to really spread its wings. So once it's out and I put a number of hours in, that's ultimately where I can form my ultimate uh, judgment on it. But for now, I would say that I was... More impressed than I expected to be. 
uh, a lot of my apprehensions turned out to be true, but also a lot of them were kind of assuaged and shown that it's not really going to be an issue. So it's kind of a mixed bag for me, but I would say top level out of 10, maybe I had like you know, 6.57, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, which is better than, especially even off camera, we've been talking about this game and we've been worried. We don't want this game. We don't want this game to fail. No, not at all. You know, it's just the way they were marketing it, the way they were talking about it. Um, I also went back to it this weekend because I I happened to leave it installed. So when it opened up for everyone, I was able to jump in. And I guess I went more clear-minded and like less like, let me see what this game can really show me. And I got further in it because, you know, like you said, that demo is long. Really long. And yes, some things are just still weird. I still cannot play as Iron Man. I don't know what it is. But the Hulk, I, I controlled a little bit better. I really enjoyed Black Widow, except for one section, which, again, it just felt a little janky. It just felt like a, like an early build, which which I know that's what this is. It's an early build. It's a demo. I don't know why they keep calling it a beta. But, yeah, that loot mechanic still doesn't make sense to me too much. And some other things. but And some of the voice acting, I don't know if they updated. Well, I know my icon updated, but some of the voice acting seems to be a little bit better than what I remember. It's only been, I think, two weeks since I played the closed beta. And just some things seemed better. Some things just, I don't know if it's just the updated files or what they did. Uh, Black Widow specifically, which I think Laura Bailey plays, just sounds more like her. It uh, just sounds like she really, like, this is her, not like a script read. It sounds like it's the actual performance. But, um, I'm, yeah, I'm slightly, I'm in the same boat where I'm slightly warmed up to it now. Where I'm like, I could see myself playing this maybe, you know, a little bit more. Maybe not the $90 deluxe edition or that whatever the collector's edition is with that weird statue maybe not that but you know you know we'll see what it what the we'll see what's out there in the wild when this game launches yeah i would say generally speaking i wouldn't say they 100 percent won me over but they certainly moved me from the apprehensively waiting at a distance to okay i'll buy it at launch i'll I'll play yeah i'll give it a shot Yep. Uh, so yep. and, and I, I I have to say I, I give them a lot of credit for that because I was pretty turned off to this game for quite a while and I guess you could critique me on that. It's like how you're gonna write off a game you never played before, but it's like in this day and age you got to be careful with your money. You got to be careful with what you finance. And if a game's looking like hot hell, I'm I'm gonna steer clear of it until I get reports otherwise. Uh, but yeah, I, I, getting my hands on it, I think they did a, a decent enough job for me to kind of you know jump in when it's all said and done. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll keep that on dock, and it's not too far off. So a few a few more weeks, so we can get in uh, into some of the stories. We've got some interesting stories this week. Um, to me anyway, I think they're a nice variety, but a small sort of update continuation. So the Halo development, the Halo Infinite development, may be in trouble. So uh, a report has surfaced suggesting Halo Infinite's development and recent delay have been affected by outsourcing. The upcoming Halo TV show is reported to also apparently be a significant distraction, even though 343 has responded that it's not a distraction, completely separate teams with not a lot of crossover, that they're like two completely different projects with dedicated teams, leaderships that do not impact one another is their exact quote. Uh, Also from uh, Therot.com, the Halo team is where he was getting a lot of his inside source are saying that a significant portion of the game is being outsourced to a third-party contractor, well, third-party contractors, and the coordination the between all the different companies contribute to some of the rough plays and a lot of the issue here. And I feel mixed on this on this news. I'm glad that the, I didn't really believe that the TV show was going to affect the game that much. Um, I know 
I mean, 343 came out and said it hasn't, and they're like, no, separate stuff. I do believe there's probably some connection. I do believe there's, like, the writers at least are talking to each other. I'm not saying they're abandoning one to join the other. So I'm glad they did, they did clear that up. Um, what, what did you think of this information? Because it's been a weird ride for Halo Infinite now. Yeah, so, well, I think it's first important to distinguish, distinguish with the fact that there's kind of, like, two allegations here. There's the mm-hmm. Halo... TV show impacting the the game development, and then there's the uh, idea of different teams and outsourcing having problems coordinating. So those are kind of like two separate issues. the The Halo TV one three four three came out and basically said that's not that's nonsense. I buy that, so I think that's kind of like a nothing story. Um, the idea of coordination, we can say with hundred percent certainty, anyone who understands the game industry, that there is outsourcing to some capacity. That happens in pretty much every game on this scale. Uh, newsflash to guys, a game that is the number one IP for a massive conglomeration like Microsoft is not being handled by one team in 343. Sorry if you guys thought that was the case, but it's not. Uh, if you look at games like Death Stranding, it's, it's a court, it's a, there's an ecosystem that it exists within and main development exists in one place, but lots of other people kind of come in and play around with things and get small builds to handle different parts of the game so they can get it out in a timely manner. And especially once you get closer to launch, sometimes if you want to hit a date, you have other teams working on it. Uh, so I a hundred percent believe the fact that this is being outsourced to some capacity. Uh, and I guess it, it gets into speculation territory about like, are they having trouble working with each other? And again, when you're dealing with any, story from a third-party person that's not uh, directly involved with them yeah you're gonna have to take it with a grain of salt but again judging by the scale of this game and the shape that we saw it in and the delays and the kind of dodginess they've talked about it's like oh it's covid and you have to take you know and again this might be very cynical look at at it from my perspective but i feel like a lot of developers might be using the covid thing as an excuse to push their games back nothing wrong with that but Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm Like, I'm sure there's a couple games that kind of got caught in the crossfire that maybe we're going to launch anyways and would have been good to go. And it's not that necessarily it's COVID distracting it, but it's like, hey, we could get a couple months out of this and nobody's going to really hold it against us. So let's push it back. Screw it. Uh, And it's it's a good time for everybody to delay because, again, nobody's questioning it. So I feel like they chalked a lot of the Halo possible issues back in the background to like a COVID issue when it could be a, a great many things. So again, with a, a game on this scale, it doesn't surprise me that things might be having some issues. We've seen this before. Uh, I mean, it, notoriously, it happened so bad with Final Fantasy VII Remake that they had to pull it back from everybody. Yep, absolutely. So like, it, it's happened, but hey, when all was said and done, it came back home, it came out, and Final Fantasy VII Remake was awesome. So uh, just because things are in a little bit of turmoil right now, it's being pushed into 2021, I wouldn't say that it's like guaranteed going to be a, an absolute mess when it comes out. Uh, I think, obviously, Microsoft and the Xbox team have, like, a massive vested interest in making this game work one way or another. So if they have to pull an all-hands-on-deck situation, they're going to have to do what they're going to have to do on this one, no doubt. Uh, The ecosystem over at Xbox team is very different. It's very front-loaded with, like, three IP. It's kind of like Halo, Gears, and Forza. And if they need to pull the smaller teams now that they have so many of them to kind of help with the development, I'm sure they're going to. It's not like PlayStation, where, like, yeah, they have, like, an engine that might be helped and that's when kind of like gorilla pops in it's like all right we'll help here but it's not like every single naughty dog project's gonna involve gorilla and every single team that Mm -hmm. is under the sony ecosystem these are larger teams that are well established that kind of do their own thing and the smaller teams like bent might get like a, a handout you know what i mean so 
I think it's one thing important to understand the Xbox ecosystem, understand what Halo means to that, and then understand that, again, like, having so many kind of hands in the pot is not necessarily abnormal for a game on this size. And I, I saw a lot of people commenting that's like, oh, man, if you have a whole bunch of teams working on uh, Halo, that means 343 might not be cutting it. And I'm like, I promise you guys, this is not the first Halo to be worked on by external teams. And uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that 343 is in over their heads for this. No, yeah, absolutely. That's just not how games are made. Like, you know, there are... Sometimes it's simple things where one team is, like, you know, they outsource, let's say, the, just for example, the menus. Like, no, this team is controlling the menus. They controls the pause menu, whatever, sounds. There's, like, different chunks, you know, that, you know, you can have, like... If you're just a person who works on graphics and backdrops and stuff like that, you're obviously not going to be inputting on how the menus should work and things like that. So that was... That was a small thing, which, you know, it's obviously true. Games do get chopped up and outsourced and stuff like that. I think just people ignore that. It's usually not talked about so much. So when this game was, you know, especially in the state that it was shown, people just wanted to really devour it and really hate it. And and the Sony, you know, fanboys obviously are just running with this. Like, oh, Naughty Dog makes their own games. They don't have to outsource it. Listen, they do... Like you were saying, the Sony ecosystem is way different. Again, it's just not talked about. It's not brought up to the front lines because there's no need to bring that up. Like, this is how games are made, not with just one giant office building and everything gets done there. It's just not how it works. So, I mean, again, like we were saying before, the delay can only really help this game. Uh, the game needs help. I, I hate to be so negative on it. I do want this game to be successful. I think... Luckily, a lot of this turmoil and a lot of this controversy has been kind of patted down and, like, kind of forgotten already. People who just really were sparked up with it and so upset still about the delay. Um, some of the marketing doesn't make sense to me because I feel like this wasn't a delay that was just last second known. You you have to assume some of the higher-ups knew that this was, this was coming, so why even show the game in its state? You know, you got to remember, we didn't see this game from... I think the Game Awards, December, something like that, or even maybe earlier, yeah. until a few weeks ago. So I always had the same impression that many people did in like January. We were like, oh, this game's not coming out 2020. I, I just didn't believe it because we hadn't seen it. And not that we need to be flooded by stuff, but it's like you guys have not talked about it. You, They always do some sort of online beta semi-close to launch to really test the servers and stuff like that so it's like we we knew there was issues even prior to covid so i just don't so, well, see how so many people were surprised i'm surprised again that they were showing and they kept reiterating that it's the launch game for the xbox for series x it's the launch game it's gonna be there you know really trying to recreate what the launch of the original xbox was so i'm surprised who knew and who didn't know because some people were really pushing that and you know so it's weird to see just that kind of aspect. Again, like you were saying perfectly, that the Xbox ecosystem is so different. The marketing they do is different. The teams that work with the different subjects are just different. And that's when you end up with sort of a messy situation like this. Yeah, and again, I, I, I want to say that if anybody is apprehensive about Halo Infinite, I am too. It's not that I'm like defending them and be like, hey, you have you guys have nothing to worry about. But I think it's important to un understand that like, if there's one game that Microsoft's gonna lift heaven to make sure is all right when it comes out, it's gonna be Halo. So yeah. that's the only I guess reason why I'm not super worried about it is because I 
I just don't feel like in the Phil Spencer era, he's going to let this game flop. I just don't see it. Again, and with their whole the whole narrative of like Xbox having a, an exclusives issue, and on top of that, them trying to launch a new console and trying to get some traction there, I just don't think they allow their biggest game to not come out in the state it needs to come out to. So th- I think that's just what makes me feel a little bit better, is just it in the context of what Halo means to the Xbox ecosystem and how much time it's been since the last one. And how much they understand the demands of the fan. It's not like they don't understand how much people were like, uh, five was cool and all, but get this one right. They understand yeah, exactly. that. And so mm-hmm. I, I understand why they probably have a million people working on it and they, they're willing to delay it. I would, I would say, hey, temper your expectations. It could get delayed again. I wouldn't be surprised because I think they really want to get this right when it's out. So don't be surprised if it comes like springtime 2021 and they try to push it off to summer or something like that i wouldn't be surprised at all i wouldn't be surprised if we don't get an xbox one version oh yeah no doubt i wouldn't be surprised about Mm -hmm. that either i think that Mm -hmm. might be for the better if they don't have to play to the lowest common denominator and they're willing to take advantage of the highest you know processing power as possible that might be better for the game that's what i'm saying i mean and if people are i mean i know people are gonna be worried and stuff like that but i just i feel like again if cutting off being like listen we just can't get the xbox one version running and we really want this game to be great like you have to start making sacrifices yeah i mean that, and that's kind of why the traditional upgrade to next gen yep. model exists in the first place that's exactly. why kind of sony doubles down with the fact that it's like no this is a ps5 experience and you could be like oh they're just trying to force you to buy a new thing and stuff like that but there are technical limitations for last gen i mean that, that machine came out in 2013 like it can only exactly. do so much Mm-hmm. And so if in 2020 you're trying to make this again, and they, they've said this multiple times that Halo Infinite is the most ambitious Halo to date. That, I mean, then how are you supposed to make that work on seven, eight year old hardware? I mean, you're gonna, naturally going to have that issue. So I, I wish them the best. But again, I know they're fighting an uphill battle over there and uh, I have faith in them. But uh, everybody, yeah. it's well documented the the kind of slippery position Xbox in, is in going into this next generation. Mm-hmm. All right, so I guess we can move on to the next story, and this again is another story I say take with a grain of salt. This is kind of like rumored, you know, floating around, but I think it's worth mentioning. So, okay. a game listing on Amazon for a Nintendo Switch port for the uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword has been found. Uh, it was found by Wario64 on Twitter, which I highly suggest you go follow. Lots of great deals over there. Me and Steve alike have both gotten crap ton of stuff through yeah, his deals that he's posted cheap, super cheap yeah so he's amazing so ign deals warrior 64 all these guys go follow him um and he found this listing briefly on amazon uk now we see weird placeholder games go up online all the time uh especially on like walmart walmart and like amazon france and amazon brazil and like all these places have things sometimes they're real sometimes they're not sometimes they're kind of background people at these corporations being like we think this might happen so they kind of prep the digital ecosystem for Mm -hmm. a thing and then it turns out to not be true that's happened many times especially through walmart so that's why i say take this with a grain of salt because yes this has gone on but this doesn't necessarily mean that it's 100 percent true once they start leaking images and we start seeing like promo stuff for that. Hey, maybe, maybe internal documents like, hey, we got another first party Wii port that's coming out. Then, then you could fill in the blanks and be like, all right, this is happening. But, uh, mm-hmm. Steve, Skyward Sword. First off, have you played it? And what do you think of this? So I have played it. I, I have played it on on the Wii, obviously, because that's the only place you can play it. Now, this is the only Zelda game I have not beaten. Okay. 
I I have seen this ending. I did watch the ending because I was like, I I can't get through it though. I just me and the Wii did not click uh, for specific games. I didn't want to play Zelda with the way it was, the way the buttons were controlled to the Wii remote and the waggle. It was just uh, I just I was over 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 that kind of mechanics when because this was one of the last Wii titles that came out if i remember yeah, it was like 2011 it was pretty late yeah yeah because i remember this this came out and then I, but i was too busy playing like uncharted 3 or something yeah, like that mass effect 3 was around at that time so it's crazy yeah. to think that it, it's a pretty contemporary game yeah it, it is and and i know that's the more general consensus i know a lot of people have issues with like tutorials in that game and how super like baby mode they made a lot of it um though i hate using that term technically but uh i mix i mix I want to replay this game, and I would love for this to be true. This is the f- this is not the first time we've heard this sort of rumor, and um, I know we, I think when like the Switch first launched, people were kind of discussing because this is the only one now to not get a port slash remakes. I know they did the sixty four games. I know then we got the remasters of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess on Wii U, which I mean, come on, give me those on Switch already. Oh no doubt. So. I'm assuming, I'm pretty confident this will come. I think they just needed a little bit more time to tweak it. I hope they reworked some of the stuff because for all intents and purposes, like the the Switch could replicate the way they did some of the stuff on the Wii remotes with the sensors and stuff like that. But I hope not because I play my Switch 95% of the time handheld. So it'd be weird, you know, to, to do that. I mean, I believe it. I want it. It would be kind of nice to have, you know, obviously we're not getting Breath of the Wild 2 this year. I don't know why people still think that. So this would be a nice, like, Zelda placeholder. You know, we got, not not too long ago, we got Link's Awakening. Then we get another port, you know, that was Remake. Then we get more of a port remake of Skyward. And then in a year or two, we get Breath of the Wild 2, which makes sense to me. I just I I don't trust these things that much anymore. When you know Amazon's constantly putting random things yeah. up, we've seen them put things up and it's never come to fruition. We've just, again, like you said, some people just jump the gun. They think they heard something down the pipeline, and nothing ever no, nothing ever comes from it. So I'm hoping though. I'm hoping. Yeah, and I, my excitement about this possible port is entirely dependent on what the nature of the port is. Uh, I like Skyward Sword, generally speaking, as, like, I love the story. I'm, I'm pretty, I do quite enjoy the art style of it. I enjoy the world. I enjoy the kind of, like, aerial nature of it. it, it it's a pretty cool game. The only hang-up I've ever had was the gameplay. I just don't like motion controls at all. And this is mm-hmm. the most motion control game of, like, all time. Like, I just can't stand it. It's just not my gameplay style. The thing is, that gameplay style can be semi-replicated on the Switch. And a lot of people I've seen say that, that's like, if this port happens, it has to pretty much introduce uh, traditional controls, and they have to completely revamp the game. I would say not necessarily, and I brought this up on the news episode yesterday, uh, World of Goo, when that first came out on the Switch, the Switch port, early on the Switch's life cycle, it was a Wii game. And what they did was they have you point the Joy-Con to what you perceive to be the middle of the screen. It calibrates that location in real time in relation to the controller. And it replicates pretty much motion controls without a sensor. Mm-hmm. So exactly. it can be done. It, if, if they really wanted to, they can be done. And that kind of opens it up to pretty much if they wanted to do Galaxy. There's a number of games they could play around with. 
so they could tweak it minorly that way. And if they did it that way, then I'm probably going to skip this one too. But if they do introduce traditional controls and they could be played just like every other Zelda game, oh, I'm in there. Because I feel like this game is criminally underrated because of the gameplay kind of limitations of it. And if you mm-hmm. take that away and you could just experience the story as is, oh, I mean, that that's perfection. So I'm hoping this is real. Uh for many reasons, for me to possibly be able to jump into it and see it front to back, but also for a number of the people who have never experienced it, and for all the people who love Zelda but don't have a Wii, so they don't mm-hmm. want to go out of their way to play an old game. So it's been long enough for it to come. I hope it comes. And also, it's important to note that Zelda, for the most part, has been kind of annualized. And I know a lot of people don't think about it that way, but if you look back on previous years, they pretty much had a Zelda-related property pretty much every year for quite a while now. And yeah. if you count, like, you know, and yes, some years it's major games. Sometimes it's like Triforce Heroes and, and Hy- Hyrule Warriors and uh, the Link's Awakening remake. Like, there's smaller things in between, stapled in between the major games. But in many ways, if you look, it's been damn near close to being annualized. So this year, if as long as they're not counting the Cadence of Hyrule DLC, which I don't know if that counts, maybe, but maybe not. Because it's not officially Nintendo, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, then this might be a thing. Might be. Again, I might be being optimistic and reading into it too much, but that's the nature of being a Nintendo fan. Is that's what we do. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll keep our eyes out, and I, I just don't think Nintendo's those people to. I mean, I, I'm half and half for it. Like, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely bring this forward. At the same time, we have not gotten galaxies anywhere else, and it's just a mess with Nintendo. And, them not giving us what we exactly want so it's weird it's weird close but no cigar exactly all right so we have a follow-up to a story we discussed about 505 and remedies control fiasco and they tried to clear up their statement and it made no sense yeah um so 505 games has released a blog post that explains why the base game of control the launch version won't get free next-gen upgrades and they said they understood how it wasn't going to be, you know, likely known. And, and they knew a lot of people would be upset. But um, so their exact quote is to bring control to the next generation consoles in any form. We had to make some difficult decisions. And those came in the form of creating the simplified control ultimate edition product plan we have today. That we that we took a while responding does not mean we have not been listening. We are sorry we couldn't meet everyone's expectations. And we hope you will continue to support Control. The publisher said it spent several months exploring all of the possible launch options for the Control Ultimate Edition and that no decision made was taken lightly. It said that it was difficult to upgrade its current user base to next gen with full parity across platforms with our year old game. Um, Sounds like a bunch of nonsense. Again, I'm not a developer. I don't know what it is to work on these games behind the scenes. But I've been really seeing what other people, people who are developers, programmers, all these different things, be like, that makes no sense. Because they didn't put in, we didn't put it in this quote, but they did mention like, oh, well, with backwards compatibility, you can play your launch version of Control. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. So hold on. I bought your game at launch. Let's say I bought your game at launch. Bought, let's say I bought the Digital Deluxe Edition, 80 bucks at launch. And because I supported you on day one... A year later, when the new consoles come out, I have to play the inferior version. Because that's from my understanding. They're saying but between the upgrades and I guess, you know, that means they did do some tweaking maybe to the base game. Obviously added the DLC. 
they're like, well, those things are going to be locked to the Ultimate Edition. Which still doesn't even make sense, even if you take Next Gen out of the equation. You're telling me, it's people who waited a year to get your game on a discount, so for, I think it's the Ultimate Edition is going to be like 40 bucks. they get to play the more polished version of the game. That makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. This is one of the most anti-consumer like consumer things I've ever seen. Um, for that, you just make, like, I think it would have been easier just to do Control Ultimate Edition and make it a full next-gen game, and that's it. Yeah, and like a you, Last of Us remastered type situation. Yeah, that that's what I think should, they should have done, because now it doesn't, because like I said, removing the next-gen stuff out of the position, I still can't, I don't get the upgrades. But someone who got the Ultimate Edition and plays it on the PS4 Pro is going to get a nicer version of the game it just makes no sense what did you think of this because i just was i just stared i read the article and i was like i don't get it i don't i don't get it i said what's the issue here yeah i mean it's a peculiar statement because of again so one thing they did confirm what i brought up last week which was the idea that you could just play your regular control version on next gen so what they're explaining that this is more of a thing that you're just not going to get the upgrades okay fair enough uh, the last part of their statement is what is very interesting to me, which is the current user base. To, uh, it was difficult to upgrade its current user base to next gen with full parity across platforms with our year old game. So basically that takes the whole issue, not from a financial reality, like, hey, we need to be able to make the money where we need to make it issue mm-hmm. and more of like technical limitations the whole idea of full parity across platforms which means are they saying that they're having trouble making the original version of control jive and speak well with the newer version is that what they're saying like they're having problems sync problems syncing it up when uh it's being played on next gen that is peculiar i can't speak to that again i'm not a developer but that is kind of like a wrench thrown into it that i don't really understand what this is all about and again you, you brought up an excellent point. This so easily could have been avoided if they just treated this Ultimate Edition like every other game does when it's cross-gen, which is just release a new version for the new generation. That's all. Yeah, and that's it. And if you have the old version and it's backwards compatible on the new console, treat it the same. We've seen Xbox do this. Release a patch. Patch the old game. If people would like to play the new the new version, they buy the new version. It's a simple thing. Like, I don't understand this. You can upgrade if you have this version that's also on the PS4, but the, it's also going to be playable on the PS5. But if you want to play the old version on the PS5, you can, but you can't have access to the thing, even though they're both on PS4 games. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Do you see how ridiculous? What are you talking um, about? They're both PS4 games. What are, you ta- <laughs> like, what are we doing here? It's, that's where I'm super it's needlessly complicated. EA figured this out. This is, a, this is an EA move. This is an Activision yeah. move where it's like, no, well, you got to get the new version. And they're the ones being like, nah, if you get it on PS4, you'll pop it into your PS5, you'll be good. And I'm like, is this, like, I can't think, is this, this can't be Remedy. This has to be a 505 thing. Like, I don't understand. Is this like a publisher trying to make money thing? Or is this a Remedy, we can't make it work thing? Like, I don't understand. And I just, I feel like this issue at multiple junctions with multiple different solutions could have been fixed before they got to this point. And then on top of that, they'd be like, all right, you guys, we heard you guys. We understand that you're not too happy about it. This is what we're gonna do. You just we'll we'll patch you guys in again. Control didn't sell astronomically, mm-hmm. so this is not a massive burden to bring these people over. You're like, oh, we're having trouble. We don't want to bring in all these people who bought a game a whole year ago. And it's like that wasn't a lot of people. It wasn't a lot of people, yeah. and I'm not trying to be mean to this game, but again, it didn't. It, it, it underperformed. So you would think if you want to have your user base as big as possible going into next gen bring as many people over as possible 
and I just don't understand locking this upgrade away behind a new version of the game when the new version of the game for all intents and purposes is still the current gen version the ultimate edition is still a ps4 game just like the regular control version is these are both ps4 exactly. games you're just that's, saying one version of the ps4 thing. game does does this on next gen and one version of this ps4 game does this on next gen and just i don't i don't understand why why go about this and i understand you can make the value proposition it's like hey look at all these upgrades we're offering i'm not talking about the the like how good of an upgrade it is i'm not speaking to that what i'm saying mm-hmm. is if you would like to communicate things in effective manner to your player base make things as simple as possible what is the simplest way to go about things just do what others have done already i mean look at rockstar They've done this before. Yeah. This, this, this this has been done before. This is not as uncharted waters as they're trying to act like it is. They're trying to act like we have no way. We don't understand how to make this. This is weird territory. We don't know what to do. And it's like, come on, bro. Like, look at Red Dead. This has been done before. Like, come on. And so, again, I, I don't ever want to be the person to look like I'm picking on a small team. Because I understand there are personnel that can lead to technical limitations with having a smaller team i understand that but at the same time you guys in many ways inherited an issue needlessly this could have been such a nothing story where it's like some people get mad on twitter and say okay sorry look at this is how we're gonna go about it simple problem regular next gen upgrade there's a ps5 version of control there's a ps4 version of control you choose which one you want and if exactly. you have the PS4 version, yep. come over. It's fine. It's backwards compatible. And if you want the PS5 version, cool. You get this all these awesome upgrades and stuff like that, just like every other next-gen, cross-gen game has ever done before. But they want to play weird and make it this is this complicated issue. And now, congratulations. Yeah. You shot yourself in the foot with a game that can possibly <laughs> flop twice now. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's, that's, a ter- that's the terrible aspect. And the worrying someone is this could come out and not sell again. For, for people just protesting, be like, nah, don't don't get it because of this. And people will listen and be like, ah, oh, I'll just go get it used on this, or I'll go buy it on, you know, or get it cheap on a Steam sale. It's super cheap on, on Steam constantly. Um, actually, on Epic Games, I think they have an exclusive over there, whatever it was. It's just horrible marketing. Now people are going to be very worried for whatever Remedy has. You know, next time they want to purchase a Remedy game, it's like, do I wait to get the better version? Are you going to lock it behind? Because you're not even locking it behind a system. You're locking it behind another $40 is is the way I look at it. You're not locking it. Oh, well, you want to get, like I said, you want to get the, listen, we were able to do some, some, we were able to polish it really nice, but it only if you get the ultimate edition on PS5, if that was locked. No, you're saying it's locked behind $40 and it's just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And it's like, I, I feel bad for like remedy because in many ways, like, they, ma- they made an incredible game. Like, Control's a really awesome game. Yeah. And it's just, like, okay, it went under the radar the first time, and that sucks. Oh, an Ultimate Edition, go into Next Gen. You know how Next Gen is with new games. Like, games always sell like crazy on Next Gen because people are just looking for new games to play on their new machine. So, oh, this is a new lease on life, a new opportunity, and now, boom, hit with such bad press in such an avoidable yeah. way. It's just, I-, I feel bad for a lot of the developers who have to who pour their heart and soul into these awesome games and then get burned by stupid pricing marketing nonsense. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this happen time and time and time again, where I, I and again, I, I have no choice but to put this on the publisher. Cause I cannot see remedy making this, this call. 
No, yeah, I think it's it's pretty. This has to be a five hundred five thing. It's a pretty, and and you guessed it. I think last week when we discussed it, you're like, it's gotta be five hundred five because this is it's almost a publishing release issue. It's not the game problem because I mean, I mean, they for all intents and purposes they released the game not broken, but it was not to the full extent where it needed to be, even on Xbox, you know, One X, and even on PC there were some issues with it. And again, like I always say, my PS4 version now still has issues. I was able to get through it, obviously, but there's still issues. So it's definitely a 505 thing, which is just wild to think that's just why. Why is this an issue with free? And there's no online modes, right? There's no, like, online multiplayer, you know, capture the flag type modes, right? Completely single player game. So what are they talking about parody? What do you mean parody for a single player game? <laughs> That's what I don't understand. I, unless I really missed something. Hold yeah. on, my, my copy's right near me. I can tell you right now. Yeah, unless I'm completely missing something and there's like a team deathmatch mode and they're having trouble making that sync up with an old version and a new version like that, okay, maybe it's a different conversation. But from what I understand, this is a single-player experience. You're playing by your whole self alone the whole time. Yeah, one player. Yeah, so I again, again, I don't, don't want to beat a dead horse at this point, but like I don't know what they're talking about, and hopefully they they follow up with some more stories because again, I I don't have the original version of Control, I played it, but I don't have the original version, so I, I the Ultimate Edition was a hundred percent something I was probably gonna buy for next gen, and now that they're playing these weird games, I'm like, what is this all about? Like I don't I don't understand. I'm, yeah, I, could I just save sense. twenty bucks and buy the regular version and play it backwards compatible? And they haven't explained all this. And that's what I'm saying. The DLC is not exclusive to the Ultimate Edition, and everyone's super excited about the Alan Wake DLC coming out, which has been teased forever. Yeah. And that's not locked, so it's like, why? Why would I? I just don't get it. I don't, and I don't. I just don't get it. Yeah. Again, like the Apple versus Epic thing. This is, I'm sure, not going to be the story we hear the last of. And I'm sure okay. they're, and they're not the first dev that are probably even going to go through this because we're going to see the same nonsense for pretty much every other dev that wants to make as much money as possible with these next gen upgrades. So, get buckle in because there's a, a whole bunch more. Trust me. Yep. When Activision yep. starts finding a way, oh no, you they find a way. So, uh, speaking of Activision, yeah, good segue. Black Ops Cold War confirmed. So the next Call of Duty game is officially called. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Uh, they posted in a trailer that shows real footage from the Cold War era of history, all the while using voiceover from KGB defector Yuri Bezmenov as he explains the tools of fighting a Cold War. So this is a Treyarch and Raven-developed game, and it's cool because coming off of the Modern Warfare game, that was in many ways a soft-slash-continuity reboot of the Modern Warfare series, with them going back to the Cold War, in many ways, this is a soft reboot of Black Ops that has gone super futuristic in previous entries. Yep. So, this game really excites me as one of the weirdos who only plays the campaign, admittedly. We're, we're like, in the super small minority of people who do. Yeah. Um, but how excited are you about this game? Yeah, so, I'm a huge uh, Treyarch fan. Uh, you know, my first Call of Duty, like, real Call of Duty, was World at War. Okay. So, I obviously, I, this is... It's always been Treyarch for me, who I prefer their games. Raven is, uh, you know, really underused by Activision. They're usually stuck to making maps and stuff and DLC for Call of Duty games. So I want, I wonder how much more development they were able to get. Like how much of their hands were they really able to do? I'm, ex- I'm, ex- I'm excited. Uh, again, I'm a huge Treyarch fan. I, I'm also in the minority where 
Multiplayer, I'm not, I will probably, probably not touch. Sometimes I get surprised and I do, but I probably won't touch. I'm all zombies and single player. Oh, yeah. And uh, zombies have gotten way, way too complicated, um, especially in Black Ops 3. I was like super confused. Black Ops 4, they made it a little bit more, you know, normal. Um, I also don't think the other companies make, you know, they make zombie modes in some of the other ones and that doesn't make sense. So I, I really prefer Treyarch's version and stuff like that. Um, I'm excited because I love this time era. The Cold War is always something I think, like, Call of Duty's always touched base and stuff like that. But I think a game based in that era will be really well done. And obviously, game-wise, it's probably going to be fantastic. Their single-player games are usually not terrible. Um, obviously, Black Ops 4 didn't have one. So there is a line, some worry I have because, one, this wasn't Treyarch's year to go up. They... They doubled you know, them they, up, yeah. They doubled them up, and I think that's why they had to bring Raven on board, so they're almost a year early. Because this Sledgehammer's turn, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, their game was apparently really um, in bad condition, so some of that stuff was apparently given to Raven, and Raven's folding it in. I don't understand how that works. Obviously, Activision is a huge company. They know what they're... Sometimes they know what they're doing. <laughs> so, But you got to remember, you know, Treyarch couldn't get the single-player component to Black Ops 4 ready in time. And that's why it's cut out. And that's why the cutscenes are in there. But uh, the game, you know, there is no single player mode in Black Ops. Well, there's no campaign mode, I'm sorry, in Black Ops one, uh, Black Ops 4. So I'm worried that if they couldn't do that game proper, and I know they had to do a lot of stuff to get the their first Battle Royale mode blackout in Black Ops 4. I'm just wondering what else does that mean for this game? Because, you know, now they, they didn't have to worry about the Battle Royale mode because this is going to be somehow compatible with Warzone. I'm more worried about the single-player mechanic and the campaign, because that's really where I live and breathe in these games. Yeah. Obviously, that first week, and for, for both of us, actually, is just all campaign. So, But what does that look like? Because you guys couldn't get the campaign together last time with your usual three-year cycle, which is still super cramped time to produce a game of this quality. Now you were pushed further. Again, I don't know how early that delay was and all that kind of you know sledgehammer was pulled off their title what do we see that you know I'm, I'm curious do we see like oh this game needed another six months year polish and it, i don't think we'll see that i think they know i do think it's very odd that we're waiting this long for the last i don't know for the last decade they always always announce the new call of duty in may so the fact that we're you gotta assume two months from launch call yeah, of duty they, usually they launch october launches, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's wild to think that they're just showing... I mean, we haven't seen gameplay. We saw, like you said, we saw the, the KGB trailer. And we've seen, I think, a poster. I think we saw the poster with the guy with all the propaganda taped to him or something like that. And that's it. So this game, this is just Call of Duty has never been this quiet. So they could either come out swing, showing us a lot of cool things. Or the game could be... You know, Call of Duty's been on a, on a plateau almost, and some declines. I'd hate that Treyarch be the one be like, "Oh, you guys are the ones ruining Call of Duty," when they really, you know, between them and the Modern Warfare series was really helping Call of Duty. You know, this, they're not the guys who made Ghost. You know, Ghost was, I think, overall hated and really disliked. So I'm I'm worried, but I am excited. I am excited. Yeah, the way I kind of look at it to kind of wrap this up is every year that we get a campaign, a dedicated campaign to call of duty i feel like thankful for because i every year i feel like this might be the last one because yeah. again like the returns like I, we're a small minority of people who even play this 
were obviously big enough to justify. They get all the metrics and analytics. They know exactly how many people are playing this. So they're obviously seeing enough to keep it around. But I always ask myself, like, how long, when is when is that going to fall apart? Like, eventually, I'm sure it's going to go by the wayside because with Warzone getting more and more popular, with zombies <coughs> being it's the thing it is, with the traditional multiplayer suite always being the kind of bread and butter of Call of Duty experiences, it's getting pushed lower and lower and lower down the totem pole. And I, I, I felt like the moment Warzone popped off, okay, well, if they can make money in three other ways through a yeah. Call of Duty game before they even deal with the campaign, which is arguably a pretty expensive venture for them to make. It, making a campaign is not cheap. The voice acting and all that, like, it's not a cheap thing. So I just, I feel like every year I'm kind of on borrowed time with this, where it's like, well, one of these years it's going to fall under. So if, if Black Ops... Um, Cold War has a campaign. I'm happy, and hopefully it's not the last one, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I felt the same way when, when Black Ops 4 came out, and they're like, no campaign. I was like, well, well that's there that. it goes. I was like, well, <laughs> there there it is. And, but you never know. And who knows? Maybe they could make like one of their three or four teams be the, the, multi, the, the campaign guys. So, like, maybe every time Infinity Ward drops a, a game, that one's going to have a campaign. But maybe Treyarch is just going to focus more on the zombie side, and they'll yeah. have their game. And maybe when Sledgehammer drops, they're going to be the ones that, like, maybe put a whole bunch of work and push the Warzone stuff. I don't, I'm not, and again, I might be misinformed, I'm just saying as a general example of how, like, we can get, like, a campaign every three years or so when Infinity Ward or Sledgehammer or whatever drops, and then the other games just focus on the multiplayer suite, and maybe that's how it exists going forward. So not every single game, every single year, <coughs> needs a campaign so it doesn't, you know, absorb resources from a game, uh, developers that are on otherwise a really tight schedule. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, we should see soon. So the new Xbox UI has been unveiled. So Microsoft showcased the new Xbox Series X dashboard in a recent video showing how the dashboard streamlines everything to allow gamers to get into their games quicker than ever. It's faster, uses 40% less memory, and simplifies sharing game clips and screenshots by using your phone. So I saw this. I for some reason thought it was a mock-up until uh, I saw more people discussing it. And for those who haven't seen it, it's just... I mean, you already know Windows, so it's, you know, it's a little bit more cleaned up. Yeah. Um, besides that, it looks the same. My more thing is how the, how it runs. I don't care what it looks like, because it looks fine on the Xbox One. It's a little busy, but it runs like hot trash on my Xbox, so uh, were you excited to see this? I mean, it kind of just came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the aesthetic look of it is, it's kind of all in lines with people who are already in the Windows ecosystem. This is not abnormal. Uh, it's streamlined a bit more. They kind of focused basically on the most used things, which is your games, uh, your media stuff, and like maybe one other thing in like Game Pass or whatever. Oh, the store. And they kind yeah, of built store. everything around these like three little pillars, which makes all the sense in the world. You don't need a million different things on your screen. But again, you have to keep in mind that the Xbox One ecosystem as it exists right now in a UI perspective, it's it's malleable. You can adjust it to what you want. So it doesn't have to be as busy as it might look. Um, mm -hmm. At times, with you can uninstall things, you can move things around. Unfortunately, you have to do all that work. It would be cool if they kept it clean off rip. Uh, but yeah, the speed thing is the most important part of it. The fact that it's faster, the 40% less memory, uh, the game clips and screenshots by using your phone. So that's not, you know, there's different aspects of it that are appealing, but the speed is the important thing. And I mentioned on the news, 
speed at launch is great and it's important but my concerns is is it going to run this fast by the end of the gen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because guess what the ps4 was pretty fast when it launched too and look at freaking now try to uh, go onto your ps4 and press up just see just press up Look what happens. <laughs> it, like, falls apart. For me apart. to get to my trophies, I mean, you, I, I constantly talk about trophies, and even on the PS4, to get to my trophies, sometimes it just won't load. Yeah, and, like, the Xbox is not much better. And uh, especially, like, the Xbox boot up, that one takes forever. So the fact that they're saying, like, hey, you can get into your games way faster, that's a great thing. That excites me. But, again, I want to just emphasize the fact that I just hope it stays that way. Because, for example, they're like, oh, no, no load times in games. Which is awesome when you're running launch, you know, Xbox Series X games and Xbox One games. In 2026, when games yep. are running 4K 120 frames per second, from a first party, is that going to have no load times? You know what I mean? Like, things change yeah. as I mean, techno- I, technology increases. So I always had that issue with the, when they showed Spider-Man, for, uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man PS4 running on the PS5. I was like, that's great for a PS4 game. I was like, what's a PS5 game look like? Yeah, like, is GTA you know? 6 going to have no load times? I, I'm exactly. assuming not. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy about it. It looks good to me. Uh, I was a little apprehensive when they first talked about getting the phone thing out because I immediately had flashbacks to Nintendo. I was like, don't do it. No, no, stop with the phone. Not again. Not again. Uh, chat, I started shaking for a second. But then I was like, oh, oh, sharing screenshots? Okay, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Which it makes sense because uh, getting screen, cause I do do a lot of screenshots on like my PlayStation and stuff, yeah. and I try to do it on my Xbox, and it's such a hassle to get into like the capture gallery on Xbox to get my screenshots, to get loaded up, and it, it needs a faster way to just snap to it. So that that made me excited. Yeah, this is a smart way to use the phone as opposed to like, hey, if you want to talk to your friends, take your phone no, out. Yeah, yeah absolutely, no. <laughs> absolutely but, not. But if you're talking about like taking stuff from a console onto social media and you can make the phone and the console speak to each other really like seamlessly and then mm-hmm. go straight onto your social media apps with the footage, that makes all the sense in the world. That, yep. yes, I'm with that. So if they can, they can make that work, I think that's going to be awesome. That's going to be probably really great for streamers. That's going to be really great for people who have social media accounts where they share different things, especially with like photo sharing and the really beautiful games and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like how I, I think that would have been really awesome to do like with Goza Tsushima, for example, if I could have just had that on my phone really quick and share like my different wallpapers on, on Twitter like immediately like that, I think that would have been really dope without having to pause the game itself. Yeah, that, that, that's true, because even sometimes, for me to get a copy of some of the things I wanted, I'd have to first sign into my Twitter on my PlayStation, upload it, then go on my phone, go to my Twitter, save the photo, then delete the tweet if I didn't want the tweet. And it's like, ah, this should just be a... I mean, we have a PlayStation app and an Xbox app. This should be just an update where I can just access my cap, you know, my footage. Yeah, and the, the only thing I was a little confused about is I felt like at one point they were explaining how the Series X, in terms of a UI perspective, was not going to be a massive overhaul of the ecosystem. Like, for the most part, everything's, you know, going to be seamless, mm. and it would be power differential. But then they kind of be like, oh, no, there's a Series X dashboard that's different. So uh, they kind of switch course on that, but I think they switch course for the better, ultimately. I like what it, lo- it looks like. It looks pretty much the same. The, yeah, yeah the, it's... A- it's, it looks me, a little bit more looked, customizable and cleaner. Yeah, it just looked but. like a, it just looked like what I thought it would. Um, I was like, if it doesn't look the same, I'm like, it should just be a little bit cleaner. But uh, again, I'm not. I, I haven't really been a fan of many of the UIs. Pretty much, as soon as 
game uh, game consoles became more multimedia esque and more things were being offered. I stopped mm-hmm. kind of liking any of the UIs. Like I thought the cross media bar on the PS3 was all right. I know some people don't like it, some people like it. I had no complaints about it. I didn't really like the 360 screen. Uh, the PS4 is pretty good. I like the folder mechanism. That's not too bad. Uh, the the Xbox One right now it, again it's a little clunky and it's a little all over the place and you got my game next to Crunchyroll next to this weird advertisement like it looks weird. At Should times. have seen it at launch. It was wild. <laughs> and oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure. And then on top of that, the Switch is clean, but that's almost like two bare bones and two not customizable. So it's like mm-hmm. a weird generation where I feel like some people are offering too much. Some people are offering not enough. So uh, they're trying to find that healthy, healthy medium. And I'm hoping, hopefully, once we see like the PS5 or something like that, they can find something. Because, again, they play off each other. So if the PS5 drops with a really clean UI that people really like, maybe something closer to like Steam, for example. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done like Steam big picture mode, but yeah. I, I actually kind of yep. like that UI. Yeah. And so maybe if they do something closer to that, and then Xbox see that, and it's like, oh, okay, and they do their own spin on that. I feel like they can all kind of feed off each other and improve in that one. So uh, I have high hopes, but as long as it, it runs, that's my ultimate thing. If it looks like crap, okay, it looks like crap. If it does what it got to do, it got it does what it got to do. I just want it to be fast. I'm tired of this whole thing where I go and I press up and there's a weird delay on it and I'm pressing the home button and that's like jittering and it it's, closes yeah. me out of my game. I'm like, what is all this? Yep, yep. All right, so I guess we can move on to the next uh, story. We're getting a lot of DC news for you guys because obviously DC fandom's going on and uh, I, we're, we're big DC fans, especially me, and this is our show, so we'll do what we want. But... Uh, <laughs> WB Games Montreal has revealed its next game, and it's called Batman Knights, and it's set for a 2021 uh, release. Now, I included a little spoiler tag right here. For you guys who do not want any information about Gotham Knights, you're going to have to click away here. But here we go with some plot stuff that we got. Again, this is early plot stuff in the game. They're not dropping any crazy things, but this is where the world you're being set up in. You can play as Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood, or Tim Drake as Robin in a Gotham after Batman has died. Which is really, really interesting. Uh, They revealed seven minutes of gameplay, playing a lot as Batgirl specifically. And uh, the game looks fantastic to me. Also, there's a trailer for Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League that dropped. We'll we'll talk about that right after we finish Gotham Knights. But uh, besides some of the clunkiness, because again, it's early in development, so we're not going to, you know, harp on that. The ability to play as people part of, like, you know, the little squad here, I think is really awesome. What do you think about Mm -hmm. this? I know you're a big Red Hood fan. Yeah, so, yeah, I am. Um, I I love this. So, you know, for a while, you know, I, I believe it's been almost a year, over a year, that Montreal, WB Montreal has been teasing this, uh, the, especially the whole court of owls, which we finally get a small glimpse of in the trailer, which I, I mean, you know how I feel about the court of owls. I love it. So yeah. when I saw that, I got just, like, super kid inside of me. Um but yeah, it's awesome. I'm a huge fan of most of these characters. You know, Nightwing, Batgirl, Red Hood, and and Tim Drake as Robin. I was like, yo, those are like my, my four favorite people. And now I get a whole game about them. You know, I was confused because they're like, you know, obviously, you know, right at the beginning of the trailer, it's you know the death of Batman. I'm, I was trying to understand is is it's going off the ending of Batman Arkham Knight, correct? From what I understand. Because it's Batman's death, and that's where that game ends. Yeah, from what I understand, it's direct, yeah, continuity. It's yeah, it's that universe. I mean, they called it, you know, Batman. You know, 
Arkham Knights, right? What they, what they like called Goth- it? Is it Gotham Knights? Is it Batman Knights? I don't know. Gotham Knights. Sorry, Gotham Knights. <laughs> so I was confused for a second. But yeah, you know, I'm excited. Yeah, Batman, to see this, Gotham know. Knights. Batman, Gotham Knights. So, again, I'm glad it's there. I'm glad Montreal gets to get back into this universe because, again, they always get short staff with or- Origins? Yes. Was it, Yeah, Origins was the prequel. So I'm glad they're back in there. I'm glad they're doing the continuation in this world that Batman does. He's dead, quote-unquote, it was very ambiguous at the end of Arkham Knight, so we don't know how this exactly rolls. Again, that's all probably story beats and stuff like that, and we'll see how it connects later. We'll continue talking about the Suicide Squad. But I'm excited. A lot of the gameplay mechanics look the same. You know, even though it was again, they the smartest thing they did is they released a small little statement before the trailer or gameplay that the tr- that not necessarily that the game was in like super early, but they're like the footage you're seeing right now is from an early build so this may have been from like a year ago obviously this game i think was supposed to be announced way earlier at probably e3 even covid threw threw it all you know covid obviously threw this off there's no way somebody wanted to tease a photo every couple months (laughs) leading up to to this game but i'm excited for this and i I mean i know you love this world as much as i do so what what are you thinking how what was your gut reaction when you saw the oh I, i mean i was freaking out yeah. And it's a weird thing. It's like, okay, this looks amazing. Yes, this is what I want. At the same time, you know, DC fanboy kicks in. And you have a little meltdown. It's like, wait a minute. Where's Batwoman? Where's Batwing? Like, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, all right. Settle down, DC fanboy. Like, you're, they're giving you four. That That's pretty good. But because um, then, yeah, you go down the thing. And it's like, where's Azriel? Where's t- <laughs> where's Damien? Like, yeah, I mean, you can yeah. have a cast of 116 people if you want. But at the same time, this is a good choice. Uh, I love the way it plays. It's quick. It's kinetic. Um, I'm excited to see the gameplay styles, like how much they differentiate. Because again, at the same time, these are very distinct characters. They fight very differently, but at the same time, it's it's, it's bat. It's the bat family within the Arkham universe. So yeah. I feel like with the, it's going to be tricky for them to differentiate between all their battle styles. You know what I mean? Batgirl is going to naturally be marginally faster. Nightwing has his staffs to use red hood can you utilize like guns for a way and and tim drake has god knows a different you know technology you could play around with him a lot he's essentially donatello of the bat family so um (laughs) there's a lot of different directions they could take this that i'm really excited about and i'm i'm excited the fact that they seem very open to playing around with very strange storylines that are not conventional necessarily Mm -hmm. so yeah starting out a bat family game with like hey batman's dead he's out of the picture at least for now. I think that's a really awesome, bold thing. Because it, it puts a different level of investment into these characters being like... Because if he was still around, you'd be like, okay, these guys are cool, but like, what's Batman doing? Yeah, where's... You, know, you take him out of the picture, it's like, okay, this is who you, you're, you're settled with. So you're, you're just as invested into Batgirl and Nightwing's success and Red Hood and what, what is Tim Drake doing. And, and I think that's a really awesome. And again, choosing Tim Drake having there... Is, is awesome so it's going to familiarize people with the idea of like red robin and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh and and yeah so I'm, I'm really really excited about it and I, I can gush for dc properties for a million years not to mention exactly what we're about to talk about but uh yeah i, I like what i saw again yeah it's stutter it jitters here and there but it's an early build so who knows ultimately when this game comes out i'm sure it's gonna be super polished the, the city looked really good only issue is obviously the same critique a lot of people had where Every game that subsequently came out from Arkham Asylum, a lot to a lot of people, lost a little bit of that magic that that Arkham Asylum had. 
mm-hmm. that having that tight world that was finely tuned and all the collectibles and the little puzzles and stuff like that was a very distinct experience from the open world titles that followed it. And so a lot of people want them to go back to that Arkham Asylum style. This one is obviously very much not that. But personally, that's not something I ever got hung up on because pretty much anything Batman I'm happy with. And uh, I didn't mind the more open world titles. So, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, Ar- Arkham Asylum was very Metroidvania yes. in a sense where the other... I like to include Origins, so the other three were very... Well, Origins was actually a little bit more closed off, actually. Yeah, it was tighter. For some reason, so if you didn't, you know, if you wanted more, there it is. So you pretty much got two and two, in my opinion. Yeah. So, but yeah, the other one's a little bit more open world. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. I was worried that the game was too, like, dark and gloomy, but we got some more of that color, some more of that cosmic pop later on, especially with these three, uh, four characters, sorry. They all have distinct, you know, Batgirl's very bright yellow Nightwings with the blue you know you had robin with the red and and you know his usual colors then then you got red hood who's just you know <laughs> a leather jacket and a red mask so who i love i love uh, i love uh red hood so much so i'm super excited i'm i'm in the same boat as you it's like these characters will play faster than batman obviously because batman's obviously a little bit more tanky so i can't wait to get my hands on this um 2021 I was hoping it'd be a little bit sooner. It'd be cool to get this out at launch. But, uh, yeah, I was hoping, but it looks like it's uh, going to be a little bit more before that. Yeah, I mean, they're showing it now. I want Maybe spring? Maybe spring. Optimistically. Yeah, hopefully. Optimistically. Again, we don't know what COVID did to the team exactly. So. And then there's Suicide Squad. Kill the Justice League. Now, yep, how so about the- that trailer? So finally we got a, a, the true, you know, we saw the full title because it's been back and forth. Is it called just Suicide Squad? Is it Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League? Is that just what the panel's called? So the title finally is just Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. And it's also in the Arkham universe. They yep. confirmed that. So super happy about that. You got your Harley Quinn. You got uh, King King Shark. I mean, from the... So it's weird because you went from a more darker, serious-toned you know the the night's trailer to sunset overdrive i don't know what yeah, happened <laughs> i don't know what happened super bright you got harley being harley um and then so i don't know it showed some like some teases of like brainiac doing something and we see superman you know it's not a spoiler it's, that's what the trailer is he lasers somebody he lasers what it seems to be just a regular human and they're like oh and so you see that the main focus obviously is killing Superman. Yeah, because the possession there's some kind of possession mechanic going on right now. Yeah, obviously. Um, so I think this is fantastic. I mean, we were talking about this even when it was just rumors and concept. I think this is great. I think this is absolutely fantastic. Uh, one thing I did not see coming is this is a next gen only. Oh really? Um, okay. Well, that makes yeah, it's 2022. The, yeah. If you look at the end of the trailer, it doesn't say PS4. It says PS5 and Xbox Series and obviously PC or whatever. That's what I like Steam. to see. But uh, I, because I even double back to I'm like, did I see that right? And I like zoomed in and I'm like, it's super dark. And unless I really missed it or maybe it was just that trailer. But from my understanding, this is a next gen only. It's a PS. It said PS5 specifically. I didn't see a PS4 logo. That makes sense for 2022. So for 2022, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Um, I'm I'm surprised they're showing it this early. I was a little worried when they confirmed the 2022 release date i was like oof now i gotta hear about it for possibly another two years you're gonna be teasing this game and i had super flashbacks to like avengers 
which was announced like forever ago, and then we never heard nothing. I'm like, ah, I'm a little worried. But again, in a year that, assuming 2021, that E3 will happen in a certain way, or some of these events will happen a certain way, we'll obviously be seeing the game. I just hope we don't see too much. Again, we saw no gameplay. It was all, you know, pre-rendered that looked fantastic. I know yeah. you were loving that art style. Oh, oh, that looks, art, oh, looks I watched it, I was like, I knew, I was like, oh, he's freaking out about this. I mean, this look right at Harley's now. design. Look at I her. know. What? So, super, super excited for, for, for this. Again, I wish... I'm glad we didn't see gameplay because of how far the game is off until release, but I'm just curious on how this game plays because you can't just copy and paste what Knights is doing. So that was my only thing. I was like, well, it's a f- as of right now, it's a four in each game. How much crossover lap is there going to be? And we'll see how, how it all works out, but I'm super excited for, for Kill the Justice League. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so small update continuing on from last week. Uh, Apple versus Fortnite, which uh, we knew this wasn't going away. Um, I didn't think it bubble up the way it has been. So, really quickly, so Epic is attempting to bring back Fortnite to the App Store using a temporary restraining order after Apple banned the game earlier in the month. Apple promptly Apple promptly responded to the Epic's move, asking the judge presiding over the case to block the request, which has been reported by NBC News. The temporary restraining order, if granted, would allow Fortnite to run the to the App Store against Apple's wishes alongside its controversial direct payment system. Uh, Apple claims that Epic has no bias for temporary restraining order, accusing Epic of bringing all alleged injury upon itself, citing you know, belligerent behavior with the free Fortnite campaign, with the parody, with them specifically. They're even having an event with like an Apple called the Apple Cup or Free the yeah. Fortnite Cup or something. Something wild. And obviously, you know, parroting that the commercial from 1984 with the big apple head and stuff like that so i thought this was going to be quickly solved um i knew there would be some courts and stuff like that i thought money would speak i did not think it was going to get to this point where this is an on this is a pretty hefty battle and it's going to be one of the bigger ones in this industry and in this ecosystem for the year because uh, as you know the gaming industry has really been uh, purging, cleansing themselves of different, you know, behind the scenes, indecent actions and stuff like Ubisoft. Not to get into that whole um, story. Who knew that this would be coming out of nowhere? That Epic Epic Games is taking on Apple, which is, and Google. There, you know, some reason that people always like to leave out the Google. Google is They're getting also it too, yeah. getting it too. Even though it is because of Android devices being so open, you can just go to Epic.com and download Fortnite separately. Apple, you don't have that option right now. I was super surprised it's getting to this point where they're both like Apple's being Apple's like, listen, you guys did this to yourself. It's like you knew our rules and even Apple came out being like, listen, you guys wanted special treatment because you guys were because you guys were 14. It doesn't work that way. And then you got Epic being like, well, you don't want to work with this. And it's just like this huge mess. And it's really getting to the point where it's he said he said she said over money. And I'm really surprised that it escalated to this kind of aspect were you caught off guard by this at all well it's one of those things where we do live in like a day and age where social media pressure and campaigns changes the world we've seen people arrested we've seen corporations be like massively affected by just the court of public opinion swaying in your direction or swaying in another direction and so that has a lot of power and it seems like in many ways epic tried to weaponize that power that it's like we're gonna have an ongoing court case, but as long as we're not 
crossing certain boundaries, if we can get everyone on our side to push against Apple, might maybe that might be enough for them to reverse course before this even this whole situation is even cleaned up in the court. Okay, it looked mm-hmm. like they tried to weaponize a lot of the people yeah. to push them and then kind of like a social media campaign type way, which, I mean, I don't blame them. It's worked in the past. We've seen this this happen. Uh, but at the same time, it's like what you use is a very bold way to go about things could be ultimately what bites you in the butt. Uh, this very, quote-unquote, belligerent style might lead to them not being ruled in their favor because they've acted so out of pocket. I don't know. Ultimately, if I had to guess, if this cleanly wraps up in a way, ultimately it's Apple's ecosystem, it's Apple's store, so they quote unquote have a right to sell or to take a cut of what they want to in terms of sales. However, maybe the resolution to this is well, allow us on the Apple ecosystem to offer our app outside of the App Store. So, like everything on the App Store, yeah, okay, fine, you take your cut, it's your App Store. However, let us offer our app through our website and have it downloadable on Apple phones because you know that's something you can't do. But the problem is Apple devices are known worldwide for their inability to download things from online. Yeah, It's the nature of the devices. I mean, you're talking about reversing courses in terms of like their, their UI and what, the way everything works to what to appease the uh, Epic's demands. But the thing is, this case has like immense implications for literally every developer who's on the app store this is going to affect players up in terms of how much we're charged if ultimately the court rules in the favor of apple and they're going to take the 30 percent chucks i wouldn't be surprised if you see an imp- uh, increase in prices for v bucks i wouldn't be surprised because it's like okay if they're going to take a 30 percent chuck no matter what we're charging 30 percent more period because we're going to make our money and we know how much we can make on this and Apple, they're they're ruled in our favor. There's nothing we can do in here. So Epic's gonna get their money, but at the same time, I mean, again, this is only gonna result in these companies pulling further and further away from each other. The fact that a company as big as Epic is reliant on Google and Apple is not gonna ever sit well with them. And and we've talked about this before, but ultimately, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure things are gonna splinter and things are gonna consolidate. That's just the natural course of technology. Everybody's going to start their own web store, just like everybody started their own streaming platform, just like everybody tried to get exclusives. And then eventually things flop. Nobody's in your ecosystem and they consolidate into, again, like two or three platforms. So I think we're just headed towards the great splintering that Epic's going to start their own store and they're going to start their own store and Activision's going to start their own store because nobody wants the other anybody else to take a cut of their profits. And then eventually it, things are going to be so splintered that everybody's playing in a million different places where just the most successful places are going to thrive and everywhere else is going to fall. And we've seen this before. So it's going to be, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And it's going to get really annoying for the average player before things cleanly wrap up. But uh, let the big boys fight it out and they'll sort something out. I'm sure. Whether a payout, whether it's some backdoor deal, they're going to figure something out when they both start losing money on this. Because you best believe that Apple makes a tremendous amount of money through Fortnite. And Fortnite makes so much money by being able to be on Apple devices. So it's in both of their best interests to clean this up somewhat. So they're going to. They're going to figure it out, whether it be some kind of settlement or something. Yeah, and then I generally I would have said it won't last that much longer, but obviously it's already lasted longer than I expected. But like you said, they don't want all the kids who, all those new iPads coming out, and people aren't gonna be able to play Fortnite on it. All these new iPhones won't be able to play Fortnite on it. Um, I just 
it's all money unfortunately it is just all money so we'll see have to see what they decide to do yeah i'm sure by next week we'll have a whole bunch of updates on that for you guys <laughs> yep so i guess we can move on to the loose topic to wrap up the show and this is going to be a really yeah. interesting discussion this is going to uh, offers us the opportunity to cover us cover some stuff that kind of broke when we weren't doing the podcast so mm-hmm. We're moving into next gen, and we've had a lot of next gen talks with the PS5 and the Series X, but and also the way the Switch kind of is going to work in with that. But there are other players at work here. Uh, so the Intellivision Amico, the Atari VCS, the Playdate, and the Stadia will all also be present. Uh, the next generation, obviously, the Stadia is out. The other three devices have yet to be released. Uh, so I was going to ask first, what are your thoughts on each of these consoles, respectively, and what impact do you think they'll have on the ecosystem, if any? And then after that, we could talk about uh, which do we think will even find success amongst all the juggernauts like PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo. Yeah, so, you know, it's going to be a very cannibalistic year for uh, technology, for game-wise in general, because like you're saying, these are three more devices. Um, Stadia still also there. Um, we all know how we feel about Stadia. On top of that, you're going to have the two juggernauts coming out. And you never know. Nintendo could come out of nowhere and be like, yeah, we're doing a Switch Pro, Switch whatever. Yeah. You never know. So, you know, Nintendo's in its own world doing its its own thing. Now, for these devices, it's... I'm very mixed because I was doing research this morning, obviously, before the show because I needed to familiarize. You know, I the information I've been getting from this stuff is actually just from the Neo Vintage News that you do. <laughs> so, it's, it's where I got most of my stuff. Every so, Saturday on Neo every, Vintage yeah. <laughs> yeah. On your YouTube channel, guys, you know, Jabro puts up the Neo Vintage news and he puts things that I miss sometimes and we talk practically all week. Deep cuts. Um yeah. So, you know, it's it, it's in produce you know, so like the Amico, which is um the one I'm more most excited for, I would say. Um, more to see what it, it is. Because it's almost in a sense that it's almost in I don't want to say an indie machine because that gives off big, big Ouya vibes. And yeah. I, th- I think this is going to be way, way different. But um, I think they're going to exist. And I think of all of them that I think they are going to succeed to an extent, I think it will be the Amico, the okay. Intellivision. Because, so Playdate is very niche. You know, that's the one with the with the crank and, and it's a little bit different i just don't know it's, it's such a weird system because it's an open system you know allowing side loading of games that are not part of this the of its season and all that stuff and it's very open a lot of these ideas but a lot of these games that we've seen for them are all i think the only games we've seen for the play date are the six that are going to come preloaded i want to say so it really depends what they end up doing with it you know there are a lot of these smaller titles that could run on some of these other systems i just i think it's already they're going to cannibalize themselves i think it's going to be playdate versus amico versus the atari vcs because you know the atari vcs is you know though some of the models look like the old atari it's not taking cartridges it's not this is not a nes classic in a sense which that was one confusion because even i thought that for a little bit and then i really looked into it I'm like, so this is not a, you know, those exist. You see them in like Walgreens for 20 bucks and stuff like that. And it's nonsense. I think, you know, some of these systems are doing some interesting things. I think some of the pricing is a little weird. Um, I know that's something you discussed before where some of these systems are wanting to sell for 250 300 and above. But they haven't been 
super upfront on what they're going to give out. And that's where even I'm still confused. I'm like, wait, what are we playing on these systems? Because when I see this stuff, like I just said, I just get Ouya flashbacks. Because I'm like, well, what are you playing? You're not going to be showing, like, you You know, I use Fortnite as an example. I was like, well, is Fortnite going to be on here? But it's like, this is not what this system is for. So I think in a, in a year where people want bang for their buck, they want, like, a lot of games, and they want the best games. So I know this is really in your court. What, what's what's your diagnosis on the way these systems are going to be? Yeah, so I, I've spoken quite a bit on the Intellivision mm-hmm. Amico uh, and as I read more about it and hear a lot of people's perspective, and I want to shout out all the Intellivision Amico fans uh, down in the comment section of that one video I did. <laughs> yeah. Great dialogue there. Uh, and they really kind of, I wouldn't say they changed my perspective, but they opened up my idea of just the family gamer mm-hmm. and, and what that means. And they did bring up some interesting ideas that I didn't consider the fact that there are stuff on the Switch ecosystem that are not family friendly and i guess my mind was always kind of shaped to what nintendo had been for so long that i kind of lost sight of what they've become where it really is open for everything yes there are the smaller phone experiences family friendly but you cannot say that any of the major three offer a top to bottom family friendly console so the intellivision amico when i was saying they don't really fill a lane that is empty they they really do and whether they see success or not, I can't say. Um, I want it to succeed because I have a tremendous respect for Intellivision. Uh, but again, it's tricky to break into the game industry and come back after all these years, especially with PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo getting so much traction and just dominating millions and millions and millions of consoles. For anyone to break in there is going to be tough. Um, so I think the Amico has its niche. I think they're, uh, in many ways, doing everything they need to be doing. What do you want them to do? They, ha- they have a pretty well-designed console, it looks like. A cool proprietary uh, controller that doesn't look like anything else, so it's very unique. There are exclusives. They're forging relationships with third-party people. They're doing everything on paper that they should be doing. The only critique I guess I have is, are these experiences going to really move the needle in many ways they look kind of like phone games but at the same time i've seen the dialogue of some people are really feeling that that kind of nostalgic bring me back to those Mm -hmm. xbox arcade type era there's a niche for that i didn't consider that so i think there's a lot going for the amico is it gonna see the uh, amazing success that a nintendo console would of course not but i think if they could just move enough consoles in relation to what they produce and get that into the homes of people who are interested in and get the word out there, get that into the stores, have those impulse buys going. I can see success for this. I really can. Uh, The Atari VCS, and and I know some people have taken issue with this, until I see that console, it's vaporware. It's a scam. I don't buy it. I really don't. Like They've pushed this off a million times. Mm -hmm. They... They're like, okay, finally it's out there. Oh, for release? No, dev kits. So all this time, dev kits? They've shown us the UI a couple times. They've shown us some flashing lights. Okay, cool, you're running something from 79 that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> and they have some cool puzzle games going on there. But again, like I, I don't believe in the VCS being anything more than vaporware until they start getting those into the hands like thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have financed this console and put money into Mm -hmm. Atari's hands. Keep in mind, first off, this is not Atari from the 80s. 
these are people who own Atari's name. That's one sure. important yeah. This is not the Atari 2600 people. This is a whole new company. Then on top of that, they take all these people's money. They've missed multiple deadlines. I haven't seen any exclusives or any interesting games that, hey, Amico, say what you want about them. They've shown off games. Whether you're impressed by them or not, that's an entirely different situation. They've shown off Amico exclusives. Earthworm Jim, the new Earthworm Jim game, is an Amico exclusive. That's impressive. Now, whether you think that game's a load of crap or what, that's for you to decide. (laughs) But the VCS, they're not showing anything, so I don't even factor it in because I think... It's a whole bunch of nonsense, and I see some people really excited for it, and I pray and hope for you that you guys get your consoles, but I do not think you're going to get... I think the Atari VCS, when that comes out, is going to make the freaking VCS look like the Series X. Like, like the VCS is going to flop like hell. It's going to mm-hmm. make the Ouya look amazing. It, it's done. <laughs> uh, Playday, I have a lot of faith in. I think they're hitting an amazing niche in the same way the analog is. Where it's not for everybody. But the people who want it and the people who can get their hands on, I don't think they're going to have any problem moving units. I think they marketed it in the perfect way to the weird indie retro community who like these alternative experiences. And uh, they're obviously very open to playing around with weird stuff by the fact that they literally have a Doom port on a crank system. And so I think the play date is going to do some really awesome things. I think it's going to show up at the conventions. It's going to be that kind of thing. It's going to see the same success you see with consoles like the Hyperkin stuff. Where it's not going to be for everybody, but impulse by, oh, this is really cool. I've never seen stuff like this. It's, it's pushing creativity in an industry that in many, time, in many ways tries to recycle the same ideas over and over again. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I commend play date a lot is because... In an industry where everybody's trying to do what everybody else is doing, they're going left and doing something completely different. And yes, did that put them in a situation where they're not going to move a million units? Absolutely. But I just appreciate anybody doing something different. Because it's easy to get bored and see the same ideas recycled over and over again when you've paid attention as long as we have to the game industry. Uh, But just seeing anybody doing something different, I would like to commend. And then the Stadia we've talked a lot about. And again, what they should be doing, and I know this sounds nuts, they should be doing what Amico's doing, forging those relationships. Yep. And they're just not. I see them making relationships with people, but they're not Stadia exclusives. Everything's timed. The pricing model's all out of whack. Like, I just don't understand what they're doing with Stadia. And on top of that, Stadia and Avoid has its issues. And then on top of that, you add the fact that it's Google who are notorious for abandoning things. And that's, that's just facts. That's not me picking on Google. It's just there's a literal website dedicated to every freaking project that they've abandoned in the past 25 years or 20 yeah. years or whatever. So it's like, I mean, I, I hope Stadia succeeds because I know a lot of people who have invested into that, that platform, but they're just not doing what they need to be doing. And they need to be on their P's and Q's with xCloud coming up on the horizon. And Microsoft mm-hmm. and Sony working together very obviously to not let Stadia gain traction. And hey, I wouldn't be surprised if in five years we get a documentary of Google execs being like, do you know that Microsoft and Sony were blackballing us and keep it? I wouldn't be surprised if if they're working to <laughs> tank those. But that's for y'all to figure out. Again, you're Google. Flex some of that skill. I mean, you guys freaking run the world. You guys are Skynet for all. 
you, you guys are gonna For make the next purposes, Terminators. Yeah. You could you can make a couple relationships with Bethesda. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I'm not buying into Stadia, but uh, of these different platforms, I think the Amico and the Playdate can find their niche. They can do it, and I think in many ways they're doing everything they need to be doing at the scale they need to be doing it. And none of them pose existential threats to PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo. The only one that possibly could have was Stadia, but they dropped the ball. So I think all of these platforms can exist. And while PlayStation, Xbox wore it out, Nintendo does its own thing with the with the indie games, with the Nintendo first-party games. The mm-hmm. Amico can have these arcade family experiences, and the Playdate can play with weird indie crank titles that these developers in Seattle make, I think these all can really succeed in their own ways. Yeah, I feel the same way, especially with even like Playdate's release cycle. So it's like you buy a, you buy the season, and then like every couple of weeks they give you a game automatically, and like that's such it a unlocks. weird thing. Yeah, it's but, awesome, right? But it makes sense because now everyone's going to be playing. It, it gave me like, it's almost like a play, and I saw this mainly with um, Fall, was it Fall Guys, whatever, yes, on PlayStation Guys. Plus. It's full of people right now because it was given... Everyone got it on the same day. Obviously, people who get that game way later on, the, the population won't be there. So I'm thinking the same thing for some of these games. You know, For everyone who got the play date, you're playing all these games on the same day because you know what day it releases and the way they're doing the seasons. And I think season one comes with the purchase of it. So I, it just makes sense. And uh, I agree with you completely with the Amico, where it's like, I could see this for a different group family obviously we're in like the ecosystem we want to play the new game and stuff like that but for the people who just casually want to have like these small completely family-friendly games that are more akin to mobile games it makes way more sense because you gotta remember like the switch right now is just shovelware you're getting dating sims you're getting a very uh not child-friendly anime yeah, you're games. getting all the Vita leftovers. The people yeah, who abandoned Vita. Yeah, you're getting a lot of these games that, you know, even Sony was censoring some of these games, and then Nintendo was like, well, you can come here, do whatever you want. And you're getting a lot of, like, M-rated games and some that should maybe even be more. And it's like, it's not as friendly as you think. People think Nintendo, people think Mario. And it's like, well, it'd be easy to have a machine, let's say, like, listen, you don't really have to worry that much. These games are smaller in scope. They're not going to be over-sexualized, over-violenced, and, and stuff like that. So that's why I think... I agree with you that those two are going to be, like, the big hitter, you know, the big hitters in their own space. They're obviously not trying to go against... Playdate wasn't like, we're going to outsell the PS5 or whatever. It's obviously not that. You know, that's that's what Stadia was trying to do. And, again, we could always go on about Stadia and on what they just completely, completely, you know, shot themselves in the foot. But I also agree with the Atari. It's like, I, trying to prepare for this this topic, I was like, why can't I find information on this? Because they're fake news. I'm like, why is it that just people <laughs> gave Atari money, and then we've seen a shiny box with some... Yeah, like you said, with a few lights. I'm like, hold on, wait. Where, I'm like, where, I'm trying to look at what games they have, and I'm like, what the... And I almost called you, because I was like, bro, how do I talk about this? Because... Yeah. Why does this look like just concept art? Like, where where is it? Where is it? And you know, now they use COVID as excuses, and this was supposed to be being out. So now, it's, trust me, your research and your reaction that you're having right now is exactly the reaction everyone's having to this. All right, because I, I feel we don't so, know what this is. I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, so I'm like, all right. I saw. I was like, play date. I knew was the crank, and then I was like, yeah. Amico. I knew because you talked about it on the news, and then I'm you know, Stadia. We all know, and then I'm like, why is it that I can't? 
get some stuff on Atari. And then you just, I'm glad you just really recapped this because there's not information. They out don't there. exist. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a so, fake idea. I don't know. Yeah, I don't ever think seen it's a literally scam. a scam. I don't. I wouldn't because no, no. I've I called it a scam and somebody's like, no, I don't think it's a scam. I think it's really coming out. No, I think it's going to come out. I just think it's going to be terrible. I think it's Ouya too. Like yeah, that's obviously what I think. It's, it's definitely Ouya. It's definitely um, that one has the most Ouya feel to it. The most uh, like you know, Kickstarter uh, horror stories. Uh, if you ever want a good time, go look those up. Those are hilarious. Yikes. Um, for, except for the people who lost money. It's not hilarious. But yeah. it's just a weird situation because I think now more than ever, you have the big hitters, you have the big three, and, and, and PC gaming and stuff like that. And some of these small gaps, you know, are going to be filled in and, and need to be filled in because there are customers that aren't just not going to go buy a PlayStation because they don't want it, but they don't mind playing the next little platform jumping game that you can maybe get on the amico you know or just trying to be high scores with your family and stuff like that like my my parents aren't into like super aren't into gaming at all you know but they did used to like these old games where they could just play a simple thing and and get high scores and try to beat each other's high scores my mom and my dad used to have a big competition on things like that and yeah the amico would be perfect for them the amico would be perfect for them i mean you know my parents you know they like these super old school classic games where it's like this is what you got to do and you just gotta get really good at it my dad's not gonna sit down and play god of war <laughs> under no circumstances my old dad school, gonna do that arcadey no objectionable mm-hmm. content i mean it's perfect yeah exactly you know i always think back to you know one night where my dad was like hey i saw you had sonic spinball can i play and he sat there just cranking it out yeah. and i'm like man you know how many sonic spinball sort of clones and and successors and their own games there are and like he probably would love that yeah well and and i, I did just think of this idea where in gaming in terms of games we've had this idea that there's triple a games there's a games or indie games and then there's double a games and there's kind of room for all different scales and it helps you temper your expectations and understand mm-hmm. what you're happening here but for consoles, we haven't had that. And it's all, it's AAA or nothing. But at one point, if you go especially back to the 80s and 90s, there were tiers. Where, exactly. yeah, like, you'd have Atari dominating. You'd have Magnavox dominating in the 80s. But then you'd have other people, like ColecoVision were doing their thing and television were doing their thing. Everybody kind of had their own little place in the market for doing things. You got the Turbo Graphics. Everybody else... We're, we're in there offering their own little experiences. And there was room enough for everybody because everybody was doing a different thing. And as things have gone forward, it's like you need to be billion-dollar company or nothing. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, you're you're falling out. And I, I think the era of the AA game console or the, the A game console might, might be coming. This might be it. That this next generation where the tiers of game consoles offering different experiences for different people at different price levels and different wishes can all coexist in the same way. So I, I think that's a, an interesting thought that we'll, we'll see if ultimately by the end of the gen, if it, it comes to fruition, but I honestly have a lot of faith in some of these companies to offer something different enough that they'll find success. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Cause you're not going to out PlayStation PlayStation. No, of course. But you can you can be the Amico. Ain't nobody doing that. So, uh, shout out to them. Uh, I, I wish them nothing but success, and uh, we'll we'll see how next gen plays out because it's it's a it's a very weird generation we're walking into where we're seeing a lot of firsts, but at the same time we're seeing a lot of stuff we haven't seen in a very long time as well. Exactly. 
All right, so that was the episode. A lot of stories, long episode, 90 minutes we've been hitting lately. Look at yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Came uh, back with a vengeance. Oh, yeah, we got a ton of stories, and it's <laughs> only going to intensify, to be honest. Uh, we're heading into September, which means all the new games are going to start coming out. More spoiler casts are going to start coming out. And uh, we're, in terms of a game production standpoint, not in a societal way, but in a game production standpoint, we're kind of heading towards the next stage of the COVID era where people are starting to get back to work and obviously yeah. societally eh, that's a whole different discussion but uh <laughs> in terms of game development things are starting to ramp up again which means that announcements vertical slices releases all these things are going to start coming you know back into fruition and yeah. going into the next generation L- launch games are going to start happening and hardware is going to start launching and it- it's going to be a wild ride i mean we have two giant you know the two one not you know two of the biggest hardware you know you have sony and microsoft both launching their new system and they've both we didn't talk about it on the news you know sony reiterated that they're like the ps5 is coming out this year oh yeah they were they were pretty much like stop asking it's coming out this year and i was like uh, all right you know it's just that confidence this point, is back that that's a lot of confidence um we're at the end of august guys it, uh, as as of recording right now you know it's the 23rd and we don't have a release date or price on either system you got to think these these systems are coming out within 2 to 3 months yep. and we don't have a price that means that the console release date the pre-orders like things are going to be happening fast months yeah, apart I, like a month or two apart i'm i'm at the point where cuz they you know i don't think you know i'm really headed for the PlayStation 5 and they said that they won't just open pre-orders so they're probably going to announce the day the pre-orders go live i might have to take like a day off of work so I can yeah. be home. I'm and, terrified. I'm terrified for that day. You know, and my gut instinct is I'm going to just get what I can, whether it be disc or not, or yeah. be the full digital version, and then I can work my way out afterwards. I just need to secure a console. Something. It's going to be a it's going to be a crazy time. We're going to have a, a lot of content uh, coming out, and it's just going to be exciting. Who you know, and this is not even including the stuff that's not announced yet. And it's like, yeah, I and I don't mean to be mean. I'm not worried about my ability to get a Series X. Like I, again, I'm I'm not being B, <laughs> but we know what time it is. We know the demand's a little different. So yeah, yeah. I, I plan I on have... getting everything, but the Series X, I'm not as paranoid about. It's the PS5. Like oh my god, that's gonna be rough. I know it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I that's mean, why I'm, I'm I'm gonna settle for what I can get. I mean, they're, they're coming the up a hundred million sell sold. Like there's a lot of people who want this console. Exactly. So. uh We'll have more news for you guys next week. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I am Jabril and I am with Steve. I hope you guys enjoyed. And this is the Neo Vintage Podcast. See you guys.